You know, this is such a weird day in which we live. Um, the COVID number two is taking roots and is affecting a lot of people, and it's affecting, you know, uh, Laura's battle with it, and Laura, some of you don't know, but Laura Dane knows, Ross and Laura Dane knows she's in the hospital again because she has some lung problems now after her uh, battle with COVID, and she got to come home for about a week, and, and she went back up to the hospital, I guess it was Thursday or Friday, and she's in desperate need of a, a touch of the Lord on her lungs, but we live in some weird times, and never in my life did I think that we would come to a place um, of being unliked as much as the church is. So I want to tell you, you are unliked, not by us. Everything you stand for, everything that you say, everything that you do, you're being judged and you're criticized because of your walk with the Lord. This week I'm going to be speaking a new series. It's called uh, It Does Matter What I Believe. And how many of you believe that? It does matter what you believe. Yeah, well, a lot of people say, well, I believe, you know, uh, I believe, and it doesn't matter what I believe as long as I'm sincere about what I believe in. Really? That's why Jeffrey Dahmer sincerely believed he was doing what was good, what satisfied his uh, carnal desires. It was right. That's why everybody who's a sex offender, they, they accomplish something in their life because they think it's right and they're sincere about what they think. My wife and I was watching, she likes to watch these uh, Dateline and uh, has anyone ever watched those? I'm not supposed to talk about what we watch but I'm telling you. Uh, so there's this Dateline and, and there's always about something about somebody evil doing something they try to cover up what they've done. And it's the same way with us to a lot of, in a lot of ways, but it becomes very, very problematic in each of our lives when we consistently live a life of covering everything up, because what you believe, you're going to act out, and what you believe, it's going to be shown, and what you believe, it's going to be passed on to others. It doesn't, doesn't make it right because you, th because you think it's sincere, I, I do this. Uh, how many has ever wanted to rob a bank? Yeah, I have. <laughs> you know, think about some ways, you know, that it could come about, you know, blow the truck truck up, blow the tires out, you know, whatever. And those looms, money trucks, don't go out thinking I'm plotting something. I'm not. But but just a fleeting thought would go through my mind, and I thought, well, that'd be a great, uh, a great, in, well, it doesn't matter. It would be terribly, if, it doesn't matter how sincere I would be, it would be wrong, just simply wrong. Um, many people believe, they think it doesn't matter what they believe as long as it's popular. You know, there's a lot of things that's popular today that wasn't popular 10 years ago. I was talking to one father before church, and, and there was something popular today that wasn't really as popular as it is now, even 10 years ago, and it's playing video games. Now, I know some guys in here are in their 30s. I won't mention who they are, but I know you like to play your video games. I know there's one couple in here that the, the young couple, and he's probably 21, going on 22, and, and they're expecting a baby, and, and, and he, would, he would sit and play video games at 12 o'clock at night, and he said the reason he was felt compelled to, to marry her is she brought him a glass of iced tea at midnight. <laughs> it's his words. He was sincere. As long as I'm happy... 
I can think what I want and do what I want because I think I'm, because it makes me happy. Since when do we make decisions in our life based on what makes us happy? And I'm going to say that a lot of times we do, but there's a lot of times we don't make decisions that are based upon happiness when we make those decisions. Uh, a decision that many of us like to have, like um, give you an example, I went over to Bobby and Jane's, they're not here today, they're skipping, I don't know why, but they are, and uh, I went over there with him, but I went fishing uh, Friday morning. I went over Thursday night, stayed the night, and went fishing with him Friday morning. And, and Jane always makes her breakfast. I went at breakfast, and, and then we sat around there and talked a while. Then I had to get back to uh, Bloomfield. And Bobby began to say, you know, uh, I think I found some new place to put some limb lines or something like that. And I watched Jane just go, And they did. They went and put out limb lines, and he caught a bunch of catfish. It wasn't because she wanted to. It was a desire of her heart. It made her happy to stay. She stayed because he wanted to, because that was something that made him happy. There's a lot of things we do based on not our happiness, but on the happiness of others. Sad to say, but many of us, that is how many of us have lived our entire lives. If I'm not happy, I don't do anything. Either many times you can see the father's life, you can watch the mother's life. Everything that they ever make decisions about is how is this going to, how is this going to affect me? How you think, how you think, and then some people are this way, basically the same, everybody's is, is, everything is good as long as things are going my way, as long as I don't offend anyone. We have influence in what others believe too, and you do, because you watch kids, you watch a child whenever he's raised up and he watches a father constantly doing things to accommodate himself, accommodate himself. When he gets into relationships, he will act the same way. He will do things that accommodate him, uh, then never accommodate to his spouse or his future spouse. These are, these are things that we think that are so easily to understand and everything that we all should know. But many times we don't think about the impact that we're making about what we believe. I believe a lot of things are right and a lot of things are wrong. Some of them you may agree with, and some of you, some of them you may not. But there's a few things that are just the principles about God, value and valuable value in life that you're going to agree with. Probably most of you. Your very future will be based on. Your very future is based on what you believe. And I began to think, what does the scripture say about people who believe? And, and there's something in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he shall become, so he is, so he behaves. And I know there's more to that scripture, and you can go into it and, and elaborate a little bit more on it. But I want to touch on it one thing. Many of us have become exactly what we thought. And I'm going to ask you, when you think about things, it's because you believe in them. They may be right, they may not be right, but you allow yourself to spend time entertaining that thought in your life. What, what you believe is evident in the way which you live. Your convictions, your values, your goals, your, your desires is what we become. It's what we all become. It's on a basis of all those things put together. What makes you believe what and how you believe? Everyone has a set of values they, they, base, they base their life upon. So why have you ended up thinking the way you do? Part of it is because of the culture you were raised in or the environment you were raised in. But there's something that's driving us in what we think. How long has it been since we learned to 
deny ourselves in order to give to others. Give it to our family, but also give it to strangers. That's just an introduction, but I want you to think about why you think the way you think. If you go in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 21. I was thinking about the message this morning, I thought of different ones here in the church, and, and I could have asked them to come up and just share a couple of thoughts about what they used to believe. They believed they were right, and now that they come to Christ, what they believe in their life now. What is the difference what used to be valuable and now is valuable? And I was going to talk to Bobby Jordan, ask him if he wanted to come up and speak, but I'm not going to, and, and I'll ask Billy Ferguson, wherever he is in the back with the offering, about coming up and just sharing a few things because they have a lot of ways they used to live that wasn't really positive in their life. In John chapter 21, verse 3, and Simon Peter said, I go fishing. And the others said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into a boat and they fished at night, but they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the followers did not know it was Jesus. Then he said, friends, did you catch any fish? And they answered, no. And Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they did, and then they, they caught so many fish they could not pull the net back into the boat. The follower whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And Peter, when Peter heard him say, say this, he wrapped his coat around himself and, and took off his clothes, and he jumped into the, into the water. The other followers went to shore in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. They were not very far from the shore, but only about 100 yards when the followers stepped out of the boat onto the shore, they saw fire and fire, hot fires of coal, and fish were on the were on the oh boy, fish were on the fire, and there was bread. And Jesus said, "Bring some of the fish that you caught." Now, let me tell you, you got to know the, the the all the things going on in the lives of the disciples at this time. But they had been. Uh, They knew what they believed. But they had got down in mully grubs and they began to think about how, how sad it was and how miserable they were because things were not going the way they weren't. And Jesus had, had ascended, hadn't ascended yet, but Jesus came on the scene. He walked this after his crucifixion and he began to tell them to bring the caster net, blah, blah, blah. They heard this story before. You remember it's earlier in the ministry of Jesus. Sometimes it has to be revealed to us what we believe. Sometimes we have, it has to be revealed to us exactly what we believe. I've often thought, you know, I begin to have doubts and begin to run through things through my mind. But whenever I was faced with a challenge from someone else about what I believed, I would become offended about the, the, the lack of respect that we show toward God or the things of God or the values of God. And Christianity about how they began to belittle it and downplay it. We often make decisions based on our emotions. He and the rest of the disciples are very emotional, and they were. And they did make decisions based on this. And I'll ask you this morning, do you live a life that's based on emotional decisions? If you do, if, if that's how your life is run, you have a lot of uh, variance in your life. Because when you're feeling really good, you make good decisions. When you're feeling really bad, you make bad decisions. Good to see you, Bobby Jane. I'll just use you as an example. Uh, moving right along.
We turn to things that are easy for us or what we've always believed, even our old habit, even the former way of life. When we get discouraged and we make emotional decisions because we think we know what's best or we get discouraged with, with, with this Christianity and our walk with the Lord, we get discouraged and we begin to look for ways out of it and, way, and ways to exempt ourselves and, and, and make excuses for going back into our past. You see, what you believe matters. What you believe matters. I told you a few weeks ago, about four weeks ago, we were speaking on a message that's not always real, real easy to speak on. And I was speaking on hell and all the different aspects of hell and what it represents. And you know what? Many of us, and probably most of us, have not bothered us at all hearing a message about hell. Because when we, I know I'm not going there. You know you're not going there. But the thing about hell is that a lot of people become in fear and, and begin to get intimidated a little bit because they think about hell. Because they're afraid they may go there. It's not something subject that I talk about all the time. It's very rare that my wife and I ever sit around and talk about the uh, the casualties or the, the the difficult or the pain levels of hell. It's just not something that happens because our mind is thinking in a way that we are right where we need to be with the Lord. Many times it is. Many times while we are doing what we always wanted to do, it's revealed to us our thinking, what our thinking really is. Verse 7 says, The follower whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Peter heard him say this, he wrapped his clothes around him and he jumped into the water. It was something about, about that moment that before he was on the boat, he was thinking about how terrible life was and how everything, nothing was going right. But at that moment, something happened to him inside. What he knew in his heart and what he knew was right, he began to, to jump out and he responded in a positive way. Have you, ever, have you ever allowed circumstances that you couldn't control begin to cause you to doubt what you believed? How many of us have ever allowed our circumstances, our sickness, Laura, Ross and Laura, Laura, I guarantee, has some times of discouragement. And it overwhelms her because she begins to think, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I had my brother-in-law was at the cemetery, I guess it's Friday night, and he was talking about why, how a lot of Christians are and, and how we are, when we face death, it's not as big a deal as it is to a lot of people because it is not affecting us that way. We know what we believe. We know what we stand for. We, we know what the next step we go to. And so they have confidence in that. And we have confidence in that. There was a, how many of you ever had your faith challenged? I have. I've had guys corner me and ask me. And, but there's a song that Carmen used to sing, a, a Witch's Invitation. And in this song, his faith was being challenged. And this guy was challenging him in his faith with, with Christ. And what can your God do is a challenge to him. And in the video, you can watch it if you want. We probably don't want to, but if you did, uh, he would sit, he's sitting there, and he, this guy's over top of him, gleaming with all this evilness. And he said that he stood back up with a, a fire of the Holy Spirit in his life. He threw the book and back into his hands, and it's got all these curses and, and things they placed upon people. And he said, I will not dare compare my God, who my God is compared to what you're talking about. God deserves much more than that. 
I don't dare compare Jesus to Satan. I don't dare compare anything that we, we believe as he did in that. Go to John chapter 15. John 15, 18 through 20, 24. Let me ask you a question. Have any, has anybody ever struggled with, with, I never really understood why, how anybody could ever struggle with, with Christ's teachings, whether they're a believer or not. The things he taught, the things he represented, and it just always is a problem to me how people can struggle with that. How could anyone struggle with him? And uh, all my life I've struggled with how anyone could hate Christ, his teaching, his attitude, his demeanor toward the hurting people or to everyone. Verse 18, if the world hates you, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you as it loves its own. But I've chosen you out of the world so you don't belong to it. That is why the world hates you. Remember I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. And the people that did wrong to me, they will do wrong to you too. And if you obey my teaching, they will, be, they will obey yours too. They will do all this to you on account of me because, you, because they do not know the one who sent me. I had not come and spoken to them. I had not come to spoken to them. And they would not be guilty of sin. But they are now without excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me will also hate the Father. I did works among them that no one else had ever done. And if I had not done these works, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen what I've done, and they have both hated me and the Father. There was something about Christ. You know, when you uh, begin to deal with somebody and you begin to live a life as, as, as an example before them, you bring conviction upon people. And it caused them to, to, to have a desire to, maybe not a desire to change, but you definitely reveal uh, a different way of living. What was so wrong about Christ's example? How he taught his word and how he lived by example. Was it just, was it just that from what they had always been taught, it was different than what they had always been taught? No, it wasn't. He represented something true. You know, when I was a kid, I shared maybe this before, when I was about, I guess, in junior high, six, no, sixth grade, I have shared this before. There's a guy, his name is Ronnie Sizemore. He was a big guy. He was one of those guys in the grade above me. He, he developed arms and, and bulk, and he was pretty good size. And, and I was this little scrawny, little sixth grader. And he came up to me, and he goes, I'm going to tell you. He took a little tobacco. He said, I want you to chew some tobacco. I said, I'm not going to chew it. He goes, I want you to chew. You're going to make it. So him and another guy got me strapped to a pole. Pull my arms around me, and he forced some tobacco in my mouth. Now, some of you think, man, what kind was it? But it, I wasn't. Now, here's the thing. At a young age, I just things did not, did not strike my fancy. wasn't anything that I wanted to do. And he was determined because he used to call me preacher and everybody else, I guess, would. It may not have been comfortable how I lived around certain, a lot of the people. But he thought if he could force me to compromise, it would change me. In the same way with us, it's not about forcing. It's about living an example before people. Because what? Because it's how I believe. Because how I believe it carries weight with it. It carries an example about things. Let me tell you something. 
Whenever you're using one of these, you didn't know it, but you hit the voice command, it starts recording every word you just say. Y'all didn't think it was as funny, but I did. The thing about Jesus, was he was it that he was from Nazareth? Maybe he dressed different. Maybe he had an accent like a Galilean. They didn't accept him because he wasn't one of them. Today, all of Christianity is being scrutinized because of what we believe and how we live. In the times past, people who held strong personal convictions are often regarded, were often regarded and well-respected. Man, when somebody would live a certain way and they had high expectations of everybody else and how they lived themselves, they were respected. People thought a lot of them. But not in today's society. Today, people are not valued for what they believe. Think about this for just a minute. Because in our society, in the world in which we live, in the media in which we live in, they do not value the things that what we think and what we should be thinking. They don't value any longer about people of, of conviction. You think in your life about people who have conviction in their life, about what who has morals in their life, have values in their life. How important it is to them, and it's what, it's what dictates everything in their life. It's how they live. It's how they operate. It's how they get around everybody else. There's something about that kind of a person. You know, I remember my father was such a godly man. He was real well respected. Everybody in the community thought well of him, and people needed help. They got, went and see Marvin. Let me tell you, today he would not be respected the same way. He would not be. Many of you remember your parents and how they were such a pillar of society and how, how many people just thought great things about them. In today's standards, they would not be thought of very highly. They would be thought of as, as someone who's a troublemaker. What have we have Christian? What have we failed in? Have we failed in our consistency? Have we failed in, in true convictions in our heart? What used to be honorable is now considered a dishonor. What used to be considered valuable with great convictions is now considered narrow-minded, hypocritical, arrogant, homophobic, needy, proud, dumb, simple, uneducated, judgmental, racist. All these things that we used to, we throw racism on everything. And probably some of you, when you came to church, you came expecting this very thing. Narrow-minded people. Needy people. Remember the governor up in, uh, was it Wisconsin or whatever it was? He used to be a wrestler. And he said that Christians are, are needy people. You better believe we're needy. And he's needy too. We're all needy. Never has it been more necessary for us for you, for me, to know exactly what we believe and be willing, you're going to, believe it or not, if you live a little longer, you may be forced with uh, decisions to make. Um, I have people come and talk to, talking to me, I've had several people talk to me about uh, this COVID shot that everybody's trying to impose upon everyone. Don't take offense of this, and I understand it. A lot of your lives are, are being totally disrupted because of the media and because of what uh, government officials say that, we need to do to prevent it.
One of them I talked to, he said, and I said, both of us, it's just a step toward us being made to make the decision. Personal con- convictions that we have in our relationship with the Lord. It isn't that way yet, but it's just the beginning. And they use something called fear to get into everybody's heart. I encourage you. I encourage you not to watch the news so much. I've said this before. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. I'm not saying that COVID's not real. I'm not saying that the side effects are not real. But don't believe everything that they're saying. How, you, how humanity has become so corrupted and how they think and what we have become. Death and truth. And how society wars against the teachings of self-denial. Being a, person, being a person of discipline, a person who has high values, a person who has, has convictions, being a person that's trusted. I want to tell you something about this. When you think of somebody that you trust, you think about somebody, uh, maybe somebody that's a lot older. But I remember a lot of people that I really trusted even as a young man. When I was in my 20s and 30s and even young man, uh, 40s, I remembered a lot of, uh, a lot of guys I had high respect for. I could go and talk to them about things and, and just share things with them. And they had a, a, real, a real legitimate walk in their life and what they stood for. But a lot of people don't have that. A person that can be trusted by everyone, not just to those that are close to him or her. Matthew chapter 24. There's time coming. There's times coming. Well, I'll just read this to you. Verse 10, Matthew 24, 10. At that time, many will lose their faith. And many will turn against each other and hate each other. False, many false prophets will come and will come. And many cause many people to believe lies. And there will be more and more evil in the world. So the most people will stop showing the love to each other. But those people who keep their faith will be saved until the end. There's coming a time, and there already is, that we are caused to doubt everything that we've ever stood for. And there's a lot of people that, that have jumped on the bandwagon. And I'll tell you what, it's really disheartening to me when I see a lot of preachers get on uh, certain kicks and they uh, begin to accept certain things in our society that we're supposed to bend over and just take and It's important what you believe. It's important what you believe. Many should be offended to have their feelings hurt. There's a different way of thinking. Hatred shall enter our hearts to those who used to be devoted. How many people I've seen over the years who once were, were coming and faithful to the Lord, and, and then years later I see them attending church in their house and watching it on TV because they don't trust anybody. There's something about what's going on in the hearts and lives of men here in America. Don't think it's strange when the closest people you begin to develop. Let me read this. Don't think it's strange when the closest people to you begin to turn the relationship over in exchange for things, position, power, and situational ethics. What is situational ethics? It's a morality that's flexible. Well, it's, it's okay for me to operate in this, and I agree with it on this count. But if, when it comes close to home, they begin to change their stance on it. I think there's. People in here that we know what's right. 
You know what's right. Go to Isaiah chapter 5. It says in verse 20, How terrible it will be for people when all thi- when all, who call good things bad and bad things good, who think darkness is light and light is darkness, who think sour is sweet and sweet is sour. Verse 24, They will be destroyed as the fire burns uh, straw or dry grass. They will be destroyed like a plant whose roots are are rot and whose flower dies and blows away like the dust. They have refused to obey the teachings of the Lord all-powerful and have hated the message of the holy God of Israel. There's something about us. We begin to lessen our values and what we think is true and what we think is valuable and has applies to my life. In other words, there's no absolutes. Just recently, I can't remember who I was talking with. It might have been Charles. It might have been one. I don't know who it was. But how people have begun to migrate on certain things that they held so dear to their heart. And I'm saying this to you as a church. There are certain things you cannot migrate from this truth. If it was the truth when you were little, it's still the truth. There's value in, there's value in obtaining everything that you should and keeping it where it needs to be. It's so easy to get distracted and be drawn by opinions of, every, of everyone else. But you've got to know what you believe. You've got to know what you believe. What do we believe in America? What is the basis for our morality? What's the basis for our values? What's the basis for our integrity or our convictions? What is your basis for your values and, and convictions? I don't know. What, what are they? Where do we get our values and convictions and our values and our uh, different things that we know are right from? We get it from God's Word. we got to have a basis of where we get things. And that's something we teach from generation to generation. Everybody has a basis from which stems the values of morality and their integrity and personal convictions. I'm going to talk to you very briefly about this. And today in society in which we live, everybody is, not everybody, but a lot of people consider themselves atheists. An atheist is someone who says there is no God. They deny that there's ever the existence of any God. And then there's another called an agnostic. And maybe you're here, maybe you've been an atheist, maybe you've been an agnostic. I don't know. But I know this, that all one of them, agnostics at least leave a loophole. They think, well, I think that there is a God, but I don't think he is concerned about us anymore. And then we have people that go to get involved in Hinduism and, and Buddhism and Islam and, and a New Age. And I'm going to touch on New Age just for a minute because I don't think there's a whole lot of people in here involved in Islamic beliefs. There's not a, lot, a whole lot of people in here involved in Buddhism or Hinduism. But they're all the, these are all things of faith that people develop their core beliefs on what, they, what their doctrine is, is, is involved. That's where you get your core beliefs is your religious stance. So what do we do in America? Something was something's been going for years and generations. It's called a New Age movement. A movement that spread through the occult and the metaphysical and religious communities in the 1970s and 80s. The age of love and light was up and coming through the personal transformation and healing. Gnosticism was, was followed by movements like Freemasonry, ritual, ritual, mag, ritual magic, and theosophy. Theosophy in the 17th, 18th, and 19th, and 20th centuries. Even the Harry Christians developed and derived from these faiths. There's just something about somebody's always looking for a little more direction, a little ad- adventure. Maybe we don't want all the conviction that the word says. 
We know there's something bigger than us, and there's a purpose in each of us. And then there's Christianity. Belief in one true God. It's the largest religion in the world. It's the biggest of all faiths. It's 2.5 billion people proclaimed to be Christian. And based entirely upon Jesus Christ and the teaching of his, of his deity as the Son of God. The basis in which we have, they hold strictly to salvation is meant to every human life, but is only found in the lives of those who accept salvation through the death of Jesus on the cross. It is not achieved through good works or multiple attempts through any trial and error of previous lives. Everyone in culture, every, every race, every demographic on the earth base their convictions and values upon what they believe. What does your future look like? What does our future look like? We look at America and we think it looks kind of bleak. It may be a little bleak. But what does your future look like? What do you base everything that you live for on? What does your future look like? I mean, it's critical what you believe and how you make decisions and how you function from today to the last day of your life. I'm going to ask them to come back up if they would. This is something I feel like is very important to us. It should be. And some of you fathers and some of you mothers may have never really thought about that much what I believe being that important but you begin to watch your kids and you'll see little use making the same type of decisions I like Walker I like Layla I like Blakely I love Walker I love Layla Layla and I love Blakely but it's amazing how much I've seen those, those three little kids different things from their parents. I do. There's, things, there's a movie they've seen recently, uh, Lucas or Luca or something like that. And he would say something in the movie like, stupider. And so now Layton and... and, and uh, Walker are big in the words stupid, whatever it is, it's stupid, whatever it is. You're more awesome than that. But something happened in the lives of some people in the, in the scripture. Because of what they believed, it changed the whole family. There was a guy, he was a tax collector, he was a little bit short guy. He knew, who was he? Zacchaeus. He heard that Jesus would come by. He heard so many stories, and he was intrigued to see this Jesus. He, and he just, you know, everything that he stood for went before him. His name preceded Jesus. And so Zacchaeus says, I'll just go up, up the road a little ways, and I'll get up in the tree, and I'll watch him come by. He never dreamed that Jesus would recognize him. He never, knew that, he never dreamed that Jesus would ever say anything to him. But he did. Listen, please. You may be just like Zacchaeus. You may have a... Whatever the problem may be, you may have a, a, lot of, a lot of hindrances in your life. But Zacchaeus had them because he didn't believe yet. But something happened that day on the road 
Jesus, if Zacchaeus comes down, I'm going to go home with you and eat lunch. And when he went home and he ate lunch with him, everything changed. Everything. And his thinking, his processing, his values, everything. Because we know it changed because why? Everybody in his household got saved. Why did they get saved? Because they respected Zacchaeus. And when Zacchaeus brought on new thinking, new teaching about and humbling himself before Jesus, everybody else wanted to too. He even said, I'll give half to my goods to feed the poor or whatever it is. If I've done wrong to any man, I'll give half of it away. They were very wealthy. And they were known, a tax collector was known for not parting from his money. But he did. Because it was something supernatural that happened that day in the sycamore tree. The other person I'm going to close with is, you might know him by the name of Legion. He was someone who believed he was what he was. He was consumed with devils. A legion of devils. He believed this all of his life and it tried binding him and everything else and nothing else could hold him. Nothing. He'd break everything apart. But one day Jesus got on the boat and him and his disciples got down with some people and they went over there to minister to this guy. The disciples didn't know it, but Jesus knew where he was going. It was, it's amazing how many times Jesus went out of his way to go and reach one person. And he went out of his way and he went and reached one person. His name was the, was the man of the Gadarenes or the man of the tombs or the man the, who lived among the, the dead. And he had a, in, inside his body, he, he consumed of, of 2,000 or a legion of demons. But you know what? People ran to the city and said, you've got to come see this. This guy was once crazy and, and lunatic. And they came where Jesus was, asked Jesus to leave their, their parts because they didn't want to, it doesn't matter. They came and saw this man sitting in his clothes and in his right mind. Why? Because something changed about the way he thought. And something thought something changed in what Jesus done in his life. The same way Jesus done, done something great in Zacchaeus' life, the same way he did something great in, in Legion's life, it's the same way that Christ can do something unique and great in your life. And it's important that we know the, the, the value of what we believe. Little things that you do, little things that you won't do, carry so much weight for eternity. And the last one is this. I preached on this a few weeks ago, maybe five, six weeks ago. On 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman was a man. He had a way of thinking. He had never been raised around believing in God. It's before Christ was back in Judaism those days. And, 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 but he had a need. He had a need. He was going to die. It was, it was a death warrant. He was told he had leprosy. And, and I, it doesn't matter how far it got. But he went looking for an answer. And he thought, listen, he thought he could buy it with money. He thought he could buy it with actions. Let me tell you something. You will never buy what you get from God with money, with actions, or anything else. You get it from the sincerity of your heart. And that's how you approach God.